Hello, everyone, and welcome to Controversies in Church History. This is Derek Taylor, host for this podcast. This is a special episode, or sort of a special episode, of Controversies in Church History. This is an episode of one of my blog posts, which I have on my my uh, my blog, my website, and it's on the Synod on Synodality, the current thing going on in Rome the last couple of years and going forward, I think a couple more years. It won't be finished, I think, till 2025 or 2026, at least that's the plan. And um, the post is about uh, particularly the language of the word synodality. It's not necessarily a historical post. I, I, I talk about the history of the word. It doesn't have much of one. And its relationship to actual synods. And uh, give my take on the synod on synodality. And I just wanted to point out, remind you guys again, you can leave comments. Uh, you can leave voice messages with me on on uh, on Spotify. Please go to Spotify for podcasters. That's where my podcast is hosting you guys may listen elsewhere please go there i'd like to get your comments on this stuff i'm trying to get you know more interact with you a little more and just let you know you can do it especially on this one because it's ongoing and there are a lot of people uh, i've actually was interviewed um by father robert father robert mctagg of uh catholic currents is a radio program and we were talking about it the other day I just recorded an episode of that and I wanted to see what my listeners thought. I don't know that I have too many of you out there. I have a few. I have a few listeners out there. Um, as you can kind of tell from th- this episode, I'm, I'm rather skeptical about the whole thing. And um, you'll see that in what, what comes up. I want to see your thoughts. I'll post a, a, I'll put a, um, a question for you to answer on Spot, uh, Spotify for podcasters on this episode. And I'll put a poll up there for you. Go, go out and do that stuff. I want to hear what you think because I, I know... You hear stuff in the media. You hear stuff constantly, well, from people like me. But um, what do what do ordinary Catholics who don't have their own podcast or don't have time to do that think about this stuff? Are you as cynical about it as I am? I'd love to know. So please go and do that. And hopefully you'll learn a few things and enjoy this episode, I hope. So thank you guys uh, for listening, and God bless. Welcome again to Controversies in Church History, a podcast that takes you into the most interesting, important, and controversial events, persons, ideas uh, in the history and life of the Roman Catholic Church. My name is Derek Taylor, your host for the podcast. Uh, you can find Controversies in Church History on the web at churchcontroversies.com. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and as well on uh, Patreon and become a patron of the podcast. Hello, everyone, to my listeners out there. Appreciate you guys listening, keeping the podcast alive. Very appreciative. Uh, God bless you all. Good day to you. So we have a little short episode uh, here in this this uh, little one-off episode. This is a, um, uh, a reading of a blog post. I'm going to kind of riff on this a little bit. I'll be reading from it, but I'm going to add a few things here. On uh, the Synod on Synodality, and that's coming up in October. Uh, it's going to meet officially. And seems to be geared up for some serious, serious controversy uh, over the whole nature of the thing, over what it is. Uh, recently, of course, a book has been published. Um, uh, I believe it's Cardinal Burke, I mean Burke, who uh, wrote the uh, introduction to it, uh, where basically they are calling attention to the fact that they seem to be pushing for 
pushing uh, pushing Catholic doctrine in a direction that it simply cannot go. Uh, even while the organizers of this event keep tell, assuring us they're not doing that, they they pretty clearly are doing that. And so this little blog post was uh, again. I'm on Twitter for entertainment reasons mostly. To be honest with you, uh, I also you know push the podcast through there. But there was a recent dust up about the use of the term synodality itself, and I, I thought it was significant. And so I wrote a little blog post on it. Uh, between well, I'll get to you'll describe it in a second, but it deals with the use of the word. And my opinion as to why you should not use it <laughs> if you are a faithful Catholic. And so here we go. And it's, it has a kind of tongue-in-cheek title. Um, again, I'll retcon. I'll stop and talk some things here. It's mostly reading. You can find the original blog post on the blog on my website, churchcontroversy.com. But here it is. Uh, of Smurfs and Synodality. I call attention to a slight dust-up recently on Twitter which I hate doing because it's Twitter, which I think is a significant one. The proprietor of the traditionalist uh, Rorate Chaley blog got into an argument with several conservative Catholic writers, namely Mark Brumley of Ignatius Press, Carl Olson of Catholic World Report, and Stephen White, a theologian at Catholic University in Washington, D.C. The gist of their debate was that the latter, those three people I just mentioned, Thought that the word that, that thought that synodality, quote unquote, was a permanent part of the church's life and had always been so, while Rorty Chaley thought this was preposterous. They are referring, of course, to the Synod on Synodality, Pope Francis' pet project, currently ongoing and scheduled to meet in October 2023 in Rome. That the term synodality is a neologism, everyone agrees. The first use I can find of it was in a volume of essays from a uh, conference on canon law held in 1990. The first theologian I am aware of to use the term was the Italian Alberto Maloney in 2005. So it's a very recent vintage. The Vatican's Theological, com theological Commission actually uh, issued a document in 2018 and gave the word a definition. In it, they said it refers to, quote, the common dignity and mission of all the baptized in exercising the variety and ordered richness of their charisms, their vocations, and their ministries, unquote. But the organizers of the Synod on Synodality have treated, the term, treated, uh, uh, treated this term as one whose precise meaning is yet to be discovered. And so the quarrel seems to be over whether or not the word should be used to refer to some good quality present in the life of the church, with this new word. <clears throat> now, it seems painfully obvious to me that Marate Chaley's skepticism is warranted. The term synodality may or may not capture some real element of the church's life, but no faithful Catholic should ever make use of it. The reason ought to be obvious. The church has always had synods, uh, the most likely referent for that term, synodality. Uh, but these synods are made up of bishops, um, and no one has ever thought that, they're, that, the, that the deployment of these synods needed a, a new term to capture some special quality about them. The term synodality is a vague, elastic abstraction that can be given almost any definition. It is like the word smurf from the old cartoon, the Smurfs. It can refer to almost anything. Hey, I smurfed some really good smurf today. It was smurfing good. That sort of thing. 
This is why every Catholic who cares about the church should not use the term. The organizers of the Synod clearly chose it for its ambiguity, and people like Cardinals Hollerick and Grech, who are on record making statements that, they, that indicate they support things like blessing for gay unions and the ordination of women, will be the ones to give this term its official meaning in church documents. If it wasn't obvious before, in the reign of Francis, it is undeniable that theological progressives who desire these things control pretty much all of the institutions in the church. The curial, the curial dicasteries, the diocesan bureaucracies, and so on and so forth. And these institutions are the ones that give the uh, give words like synodality their normative meaning and status. Why anyone would trust that these words will find their way into church documents with the innocuous meanings that Brumley, Olson, and White attribute to them is beyond me. Accepting the terms of uh, your opponents like this, their framing of the issue, means you will inevitably accept the normalization of their beliefs. It also seems obvious to me, uh, at least, that Francis and his progressive allies are running the same playbook their predecessors did at the Second Vatican Council. Use ambiguous phrases and terms that can have an orthodox meaning, and then afterwards use their institutional power to give them a meaning that pushes the Church's teaching in a heretical direction without stating so explicitly. This was bad enough uh, that in the 1960s, good, decent men allowed themselves to be hoodwinked by this trick, though more excusable. Back then, the rot in the Church wasn't so open and obvious. But at this hour, after all the revelations of sexual abuse, after knowing how corrupted the hierarchy and the, institution of the institutions of the church have become, how, how they are staffed largely by people who reject many of its basic beliefs, that one can blithely accept their framing of anything is simply astonishing to me. Now, one might object that I am treating the synod on synodality and the church itself in a quote-unquote political manner that things don't work like that. But that's kind of makes my point for me. Brumley, Olson, White, they don't see the church this way. But Pope Francis and his allies very clearly see the church in political terms. Lest you think I am being unfair, remember that one of his English-speaking supporters, Austin Ivory, published a biography called The Great Reformer that praises him precisely for being political. He says that actually in the book. And Francis has governed the universal church much like he did when he was the superior of the Jesuit province of Argentina uh, back in the 1970s and 80s, in which he rewarded supporters, people who agreed with him, and then punished those who disagreed with him in good Schmidtian fashion, if you know what I'm referring to Carl Schmidt, the political theorist. Uh, there, in that case, among the Jesuits of Argentina, he left behind a legacy of bitterness and division which we sh should be familiar to everyone, um, after his uh, time as Pope. I should also mention, by the way, this is one of the things I want to interject here, recently he gave an interview in which he blamed American Catholics um, for being backwardist and for, being, uh, for doing things like this and for opposing his agenda. In other words, he named people, he names an entire group of people uh, in ways that I cannot imagine, and I know John Paul II or Benedict XVI never did. So he is a very political person, and they see it this way. Uh, which is why um, faithful Catholics need to be united on this, uh, be clear on this, and be united on this issue. 
I know there are many differences between quote-unquote conservative Catholics and quote-unquote traditionalist Catholics. But both of these groups of people need to put this conflict aside and recognize what is going on here. They simply cannot accept the framing of progressive Catholics on this or any other issue. And by this, I don't mean openly proclaiming your resistance like some idiot activist. All that is necessary is to simply refrain from using their terms, refrain from uh, using the frame that they use to talk about these things without any sort of, without drawing attention to yourself, without any, without any sort of sense of self-importance or any histrionics. There is simply no good reason to use a term like synodality and many good reasons to reject it. To invoke another 1980s slogan, I'm on a nostalgia kick apparently, when it comes to the word synodality, there is only one thing for a faithful Catholic to do. Just say no. And that is it for this episode of Controversies in Church History. If you enjoyed it, um, remember you can find this on the web at churchcontroversies.com, uh, on, uh, on uh, social media, at Facebook, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, uh, on Patreon as well. And do help spread the word about the podcast. If you would, if you like this, if you enjoyed the content, you know, share it with others. Uh, it's the main thing uh, I would ask of you uh, in terms of supporting the podcast. Or, or interact with me. Leave a message. Hey, if you didn't like this, let me know. Uh, if you're uh, scandalized by something, I'll respond. Um, but uh, I want to thank everybody for listening, for making the podcast possible. If I didn't have listeners, I'd have to quit, <laughs> obviously. Um, but, uh, so, but no, thank everyone as well. Always appreciative of your uh, of your support. So, God bless you all. Thank you. Have a great week.